Small disciplines, big results. Habits, that's a new series we're starting today, and some of you look like you are ready for 2020. Can you believe it? Happy New Year! So you're ready for New Year and a new you. Happy New Year! We're talking about habits to see what that new you might be looking like as we look at habits together. Now, if you are anything like me, you have resisted New Year's resolutions in the past. Show of hands. All right, so some of you are just like me. And the reason I resisted New Year's resolutions in the past is that I was part of the statistical failure rate. Here's the statistical failure rate. The statistical failure rate of New Year's resolutions is 80% by Valentine's Day. You say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to so do this thing. And by mid-February, you are not doing this thing. (laughs) And you're just like, "Ah, it doesn't work, so I'm not doing the resolution thing. So that's kind of where I've lived for a very long time. But what we're working on together is some changes that aren't quite like the typical way of approaching New Year's resolutions. Now, in the past, past couple years, I did something completely different. I changed some of my habits a month early because I hated New Year's resolutions. I really seriously started working on some things and and really looking at my habit pattern and how these small things result in big things and started seeing some results because I shifted in a a few ways that we're going to be talking about today. Now, you might be hearing a few statements from some uh, books that are pretty popular right now. I read these four books. These are four great books on habits. Um, The last two I read a few years back, but uh, the first two I read specifically for this series, Atomic Habits by James Clear. The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and then there's more The Science of Habits, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, and The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Great books, and uh, very motivating, very helpful to work on some of these small systems and small habits that have cumulative results to help propel you along a path that's successful. But let me tell you about a book that's far better than all four of these, and that's this book. It's the Word of God. So I hope that you're really, really excited about new hope for a new year with God's help for your new year, with the Word of God helping you along the way, and all the people uh, around you encouraging you with a system that is truly transformative. Now, The reason why I kind of resist the habit thing and the New Year's resolution thing is that self-help, for me anyway, doesn't work very well. And we're going to look at some scriptures that talk about why that is. But for me, the problem was me. And if self is the problem, I need help outside of myself to get past that, and we're going to talk some of that through and how, really, these are really helpful books and ideas and things that get you motivated, but what really makes it work for me is when God is helping me make it work. I can learn these principles, but it just ends up being a statistical failure when I'm trying to do it on my own. So if if you're like me, 
look for something different in this series and begin to see what that might be and be encouraged. So we're going to jump right into God's help and encouragement um, for you, for a new you this year. And we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation here. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Will you say become a new person with me? Become a new person. See, there's a line that has to be crossed for you to become that new person. It's belonging to Christ. It's crying out to God and saying, this isn't working for me. I need help. Will you be my savior? You cross the line and he begins to help you and you actually become a new person. We're going to talk some about that. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Will you say a new life has begun? All right, so 2020, if we are already believers, we've already crossed that line, and I have, there's still some issues in my life where I am a new person, but I'm, I've got systems in my life that isn't living up to my new person. You know, I love that domino thing. So awesome, I want big things in my life, and those big things come from all these little things stacked in consistent patterns of system in my life. But you know what's awesome about that video? It works in the negative, too. You have a negative system in your life where you, you don't even realize that the system is there, but it's counterproductive to your new you, and it's working against the new you, and so you're still experiencing destruction. That's not quite as fun as... Right? But explosions are destructive or constructive. So, now how does this thing work? A new life has begun. This is Paul writing this to the Corinthian church. Now, when he writes to the Philippian church, he explains a little bit of the how. It's mysterious, but here's what he says. Philippians 2.13, he says, For God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So when I go New Year's resolution, I'm all amped, I'm motivated. And you know why I'm motivated? Because I just went through the holidays. All rules were off. And so you come to the new year and you make sure your shirt's untucked. (laughs) And I'm going to do something about this. And you're going to change some things. And then by mid-February, it is all not working so well. But what Paul is saying, when God is working in you, he actually changes the desires in you so that you want this new system. You're not just putting on this new system you hate. You want this new system, and with the system, he gives you the power to do what pleases him. Now, when you're doing a study on habits, like if, if you were to take a computer or a Bible concordance and start looking every reference in the Bible to the word habits or anything you can think of that are synonyms of that, you might come up with only a few items because it's hidden in there. But I want to just kind of share with you right out in the open what is awesome in that it's there, it's there, it's there. So one of the things, if you change the search, instead of habit, you start doing a search on the word way, you'll discover in the New Testament that Jesus started a movement, and the movement was not called Christianity at first. It was called the way. 
And the way was living life according to the way that Jesus showed us how to live. It ends up being a whole system of living like Jesus. It is incredibly powerful when you are living according to a new system. And then Paul is saying here, it's not just a new system. It's new desires with a new power to live out that new system. That's massively awesome. And so I want you to get kind of excited about this series because I'm excited about this series. So if you're ready to write some notes, grab your outline. Here's your first opportunity. Number one, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Now, we, we kind of need to define successful people. I'm, I'm, there's, everybody has their own definition of success. Everybody listening to this is going to have their own definition of what they want the new you to look like. And so... Let's just kind of say it could be successful spiritually. It could be successful physically, like spiritual health, physical health. How about emotional health? How about relational health? How about um, financial health? There, there, there's all the different ways of understanding success. And so what's really odd about this is that I don't know anybody that wants to be an unsuccessful person. And there's nobody that says, you know, health is overrated. I want to be unhealthy. I want to be spiritually unhealthy. I want to be really, it's just, it's just, nobody is that way. Everybody wants this stuff. In fact, they want this in a way where everybody's doing the right stuff occasionally. It's like, I want to connect with God. And so you get this awesome, awesome feeling like, oh, I want to look into the Bible. And you read the Bible. Unfortunately, you've opened it up to Leviticus. You know, it's like, what's that? And so you're struggling through it. And the feeling goes away, and so you only look into it occasionally because it's like, what is that? And so the motivation goes away. But successful people are doing it consistently, systematically, and the pieces start to fit together. Now, that's true about every area, whether it's physically or emotionally or relationally. So nobody, I mean, just think about this. Everybody has good intentions, great goals, they want to be improving. They want to be growing. They want life to be better. So what's going on here? And that's what we want to take a look at. Paul, who said, you need the new you. You need to cross the line. This is awesome because this is what happens. He also is very honest about his own life when he was trying to serve God, trying to please God, and nothing was working right. And he was so frustrated. So I want to read to you out of Romans 7. Um, some of those kind of statements, because he really shows us some very powerful truths that I relate to. Romans 7, 15. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I relate. I mean, I want to be a loving husband, and my wife just loves me, and then why is it that I did the very thing? I was a jerk. I hate that when I'm a jerk. I was a jerk again. Walk came over me. Why was I a jerk again there? It's like, I get Paul. Romans 7, 18 through 19. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That is Paul describing his own life. But do you see that he's describing the reality of the human condition? 
That is the human condition. And there's different degrees of that, but we all kind of relate. Because if we didn't relate, I mean, we'd all be successful, wildly successful with all of our goals. Because we'd be able to live up to those goals and have the blessed life. But did you know that Jesus came to give us life to the full? He came to give us the joy. He even prayed for us. Father, give them the full measure of the joy, the full measure of joy that you gave me. And that's what he came to give us. And then he came as, the first Adam came and was created in the image of God. Jesus, who was the image of God, became a man to show us what that image is supposed to be like and made a way for us. So the second Adam reversed the first Adam's curse. Okay? And in that reversal, he makes it possible to remove our sin by his sacrifice. And after he's removed our sin by his sacrifice, he can insert into us this new life, this new desire, this new power, his very being in spirit form into us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm really getting off track. Romans 7, 24 through 25, then Paul says, oh, what a miserable person I am. So he really has a downer of an identity statement here. I'm a wretch. What a miserable person I am. Then he asks the transitional question, which leads to the answer, which turns the light on. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by the human condition, sin and death? So I'm so dominated by this thing inside of me, I can't do the thing that I want to do, and I keep doing the thing I don't want to do. Who's going to set me free? And he answers his own question. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. There's the help. Now, if you have never crossed the line to receive that help, then you don't know what I'm talking about experientially. He's describing his religious life prior to meeting Christ, and it was so frustrating to him because he couldn't find victory over his human condition inside of himself. And now he's saying, there is an answer. Jesus came to give us that answer. Now, I have that answer. I'm living out that answer. That doesn't mean I'm never a jerk. It doesn't mean I'm totally arrived. My system still needs tweaking. My, because my mind and my system don't see how this system, all the tiny dominoes that are in the bad dominoes, I haven't seen how it connects to that's why I'm the jerk. And so now that I'm studying the way of Jesus, he shows me this got to go, this has got to go, this has got to go. In place, you need to put this little thing, this little thing, this little thing, and then these things consistently will make it all positive and good. So that's what we're working on, a system that is the way of Jesus, empowered by Jesus, that's bigger than self-help. Now, there's three reasons we don't succeed. Now, actually, there's a couple hundred of us in here, and if we were to identify each of your reasons you don't succeed, we have more than a couple hundred reasons, but I'm just picking out the big, consistent reasons that we tend to not succeed. A on your outline is this. We don't succeed because we focus on what we need to do, our New Year's resolution. Here's what we've got to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my goal. But we don't understand how to do it, okay? So we want the same goal, the right things, to be healthier, spiritually healthier, financially healthier, intellectually, to learn more, to grow more, to be more, and yet we don't really know how to go about this. James Clear, in his book Atomic um, 
Habits writes, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. That's the problem with New Year's resolutions. We all go, okay, this year I'm going to, and we write out our goal. And I've just told you, we all have the same goals. We want a better life. I would love to be loved more, and I would love to be more loving. I would love to be healthy physically. I would love to be, you know, and then we have all the same basic goals. There's the problem. We don't know the what, the system, how to make the system work, where it grows and grows with momentum in this system in our life. Next week, just a sneak peek, we're going to look at the life of Daniel. I've given you a sneak peek of the life of Jesus. Let me give you some more sneak peek of Jesus. Okay, Jesus, before we go to Daniel, Jesus carried the load of the world, okay? His stress level was heavier than the stress level of any human being ever, Okay, take the CEO of the most massive company or the pastor of the most massive church carrying the load for other people. That is nothing compared to Jesus who carries the load of the world. And if you read the Gospels, sometimes you see that just kind of squeezing through, even squeezing through in dramatic ways in his life. But here's something Jesus never said. Oh, man, I just don't have time to pray. And this is the Son of God. He has no sin in his life, but he's operating as a human being, and as a human being, he's showing us the system, the way to live out life in a way where we've designed to be lived out. We have souls that are thirsty for God. He says, you've got to give your soul a drink. You've got to be like the flower that says, where's the sun? And you can open up and blossom before the sun. He demonstrated what prayer is all about. The disciples saw this powerful prayer life in his life that they asked the question, Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They wanted to know, how do you pray like Jesus? And he was showing them the way. And he's taught us so many things like that, systems that break us through. All right, so there's Jesus. Let's go to Daniel, Old Testament. Daniel, though, um, he was like that, too. He had these powerful systems, and we're going to talk about that next week. I just want to give you a sneak peek, so if you want to read about it, you can. If you want to read about it, you want to look into the book of Daniel. Ah, that's easy, all right? So you look in the table of contents, find Daniel in the Old Testament, and you read chapter 6. We're going to look at that next week. And there we're going to see a story, here's a sneak peek, where this guy has pre-decided his system, and his system is such a powerful system, he's rising head and shoulders above 120 of the elite leaders of the nation that has conquered his nation. He is a conquered person that's rising above their leadership, and they're putting him in leadership of their nation because of his system that he had predecided. We're going to look at that next week. So along with that, here's a quote and I want you to fill in for you. If you want to improve your blank health, so what's the thing that you want to improve? Is it your spiritual health? Is it your financial health? Is it your intellectual health? Is it your emotional health? Is it your relational health? in your relationships with your kids or with your spouse? What is it that you want to improve? If you want to improve this, don't look at your intentions. Oh, I really want to be a loving husband. That, that's my, I'm going to be a loving husband. Good intentions. What's your system for getting there? Okay? See, that's what we're talking about. Don't just look at your goals. Evaluate your systems. What does a loving husband look like? How am I going to get there? What practices in my system do I have to put into play to make that happen? 
And that's what we're talking about. So you got to figure out the how and not just focus on the what. B, here's another reason we don't succeed in our habits. We don't see progress fast enough, okay? I mean, I've already mentioned, okay, so one of the reasons for typical New Year's resolutions is we just had the holidays, all rules were off, and so we're just eating, 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 and we go, okay, we got to change something here, so we pay big bucks to get back into the, the expensive rec center, and we even pay big bucks to have the personal trainer who comes from wickedness itself. It's, you got to do this and this and this, and you're going to go every day. And you're going to work out two hours a day. And you go four days in a row. And then you get on the scale like, what? I gained one more pound? You go, this isn't working. Nixay, the personal trainer, and I'm going to do something else. And make myself feel better. And that's where we live. Okay, so that's why it's just not fast enough. Or we want to be like Jesus. So we want to read the Bible and we want to pray. And so we get up and read the Bible and we pray. And we did it. We did it every day in New Year's so far. And it's January 5th. But we got a huge fight on our way here. And we go, this doesn't work. I prayed every day this week. What's the deal here? <laughs> right? <laughs> or let's just say you graduated from college and like the rest of your friends, you have $40,400 in debt from student loans. And you go, now I've got to pay this back. And you're calculating, where can I squeeze some money out of my budget? And you go, oh, if I just don't drink Starbucks. <laughs> and you start going, okay, no Starbucks. If I don't do Starbucks, wow, I do that much Starbucks? Wow, in one month, I'm, I can easily pay $100 extra a month. And so the whole month, you drink hell coffee. It's like, Yuck, coffee, that's not Starbucks. You go, but I can do this. And after the whole month, you've paid off that extra 100 bucks. Now you only owe 40,300 bucks. You go, this isn't working. And you go to Starbucks to say this isn't working, right? It's not fast enough. Now hear me clearly. Whatever it is you want to succeed at, you will not see any results by February. The little things in your system will need more time and consistency than that before you're going to see results. Expect it. You're not going to see results fast enough to get your motivation strong enough to keep it up. Just know it takes longer than that. And don't rely on your own strength. Jesus Christ will give you the new you. By the way, Somebody gave me today their key fob. It says N-A on the front, and on the back it says clean and serene for multiple years of recovery. And they said, this is four years, four years. It's the little things over time that start to build up and boom, boom, boom. It isn't just sobriety, it's Marriage doing better, your work doing better, your relationships doing better. All of life is do, doing better in the ripple effect when you get the right things going for you. It's not by February. Wrong conclusions. Small good decisions don't matter that much. Yes, they matter a lot. Small bad decisions don't matter that much. Yes, they matter a lot. Here's another 
Silly story. In the Compound Effect book, he tells a story. I think he has an old chapter called Three Friends. I've got to shorten it down, so we're just going to call it The Twins. Okay? We're not going to tell the whole story of Three Friends. We're going to tell the story, rewrite it, about two people, identical. In high school, they're both athletes. You could barely tell them apart. They're amazing athletes, and they're just the same. Everybody thought of them as the same. They get married, and at the same time, they have marriage flab. Same time, they look exactly the same. Both of them are approaching their marriage flab and thinking, well, we need to do some things. And one guy, let's call him Joe. What should we call the other guy? Let's call him Bob. Joe decides, you know what? I've got to make some adjustments. He starts reading some literature. He starts making some changes to his system. He didn't really know the precise nature of these changes, what's actually happening. He just knows it's going in the right direction. And he's starting to do the right things in a systematic way. Now, just for the ease of telling the story, let's say that we have the full record of the whole thing and we can average it out mathematically. He has dropped 125 calories a day. He's not counting calories. He's just changed his system. Every day, 125 calories less than what he was doing before, which caused him to gain weight. His brother, did I say it was Bob? Okay. Bob, he doesn't make any changes until he gets into this cooking thing, and he really likes this recipe, and then he's really into this cooking thing. He starts giving off this recipe and the things he loves. He makes them off, and he's eating them. And so instead of losing 125 calories a day, he gains 125 calories a day, and you can see what will happen. But you don't see it by February. You don't see it in five months. You don't see it, you barely see it maybe in 12 months. As long as their both shirts are untucked, you can't tell. Okay? And then 18 months, you start to notice a difference. 24 months, you can tell. But at 31 months, that's when I want to make the big difference. Just 125 calorie difference. Was it Joe? Joe lost 33.5 pounds. And Bob gained 33.5 pounds. Now there is a 67 pounds difference between the twins. Do you think you can see that? 31 months. It's obvious to everyone, but at first it's just a little dominoes. You can't see it until later. Now you see it. And it's going to get bigger still unless the systems are adjusted. Let's take it more dangerous than that. We have systems in our lives that we have adopted, like smartphones in our pockets. Stress level is tripling instead of just little increments like it was before. We're carrying the world's burdens in quick news feeds, or the world's burdens in comparative comparisons, and all this stuff that we carry in our pocket. Worse, it's porn in our pocket for a lot of men. Well, I guess with ladies too. And porn in the pocket, if you think small bad decisions don't matter much, like, okay, I did porn, nothing happened. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're single, or married, something's happening. It's happening inside of you. You are changing. And when you keep that up, tick, 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 it's really disastrous when you're married, even if you were doing it before you're married. And then, <laughs> destruction, because these small bad decisions matter a lot. Okay? Now, I think we kind of get that, and yet, what are we going to do about our systems? What are we going to do about crossing the line, asking a Savior to help, about drawing in people to encourage us, 
Those are all part of the system so that we can have our own freedom from whatever it is. Okay? Two weeks from now, the topic is stopping. Next week, the topic is starting. We're talking about habits. Okay? So real practical stuff. Here's another one. Um, small stuff that doesn't seem like it matters much. Like, you know, you didn't feel like going to church one day, so you didn't go to church one day. Nothing happened. You're good. You're still praying. You're still reading the Bible. You still believe in God. And another day comes up and you don't go to church that day. By the way, two in a row, you're starting a habit. Right? And a lot of people, that's all it takes. And it starts the habit of not going. And it starts the habit of things are changing inside. Now, the very first time you decided not to go, here's what changed. It's a feeling-based decision to not go instead of a character-based predecision to be a person that knows that's the system, the way of Jesus, the way of Paul, the way of the people in the way, not in your way, but in the way of Christ. And if you decide to go the way of feelings instead of the way of character, it catches up to you, boom, boom, boom. Okay? And that's what we're talking about with little things. So little things matter. Paul says it this way, in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So if you plant an apple seed, don't expect a pumpkin. Okay? And here's the thing about these little tiny seeds. These little tiny seeds go into your life and they go into a place where nobody else sees what's happening for a while. But you cultivate, you water, and over time there's a harvest and God says, you can't reverse that or change that. You're planting bad seeds. Only you know it. Nobody else knows it. It will catch up to you, and the harvest will be destruction. You plant good seeds. Nobody can see it. Nobody knows it. But over a course of consistency, it's going to be a beautiful harvest. That's what he's talking about. And he says, Galatians 6, 9, a couple verses later, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we've got to learn the system and tweaking the system. So I mentioned, I forget if it's, I mentioned this service or not. So I started earlier than, than New Year's, last couple years, revolutionized some thinking by just working on systems because who we are is determined by the habits that we have in our life. Tweak your system, tweak your habits, you're going to become somebody else over time. Very powerful somebody else over time. See on your outline, our distorted identity sabotages our success. Let me get at this with some quick ways of getting at this. Here's what people tend to say. Well, this is just the way I am. That's an identity problem right there. I mean, we've always known I've had an addictive personality, and so, well, I might as well take another drink, right? Don't swallow the lie. Now, you can be a believer, you could have crossed the line, and you could be swallowing all kinds of lies, and so your system's whacked, and so is your identity. Your identity is not determined by Christ, it's determined by these lies that you've bought. And so, let's remind ourselves, 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. If you rely on the power of Jesus Christ, 
The new desires and the new power is there. Don't lie to yourself because you will then experience opposite of what the new life is all about. The old is gone, a new life has begun. Here's another one. I'm not good with money. I've never been good with money, so I might as well go shopping. (laughs) Don't buy the lie. Again, back to where we started, Paul says in Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Learn from him, lean on him, have the systems in your life where you're depending upon him and your life from him is growing with momentum. Boom, boom, whoa. I am a new person. I am not the person I used to be. I have self-control, which is wild because it comes from the Spirit of God. And it's not even myself controlling me. But I now can say no. It's beautiful. So here's what I want you to do today. Who do you want to become? I don't want you to focus on New Year's resolutions. I don't want you to focus on the goals. I don't want you to focus on the what. I want you to focus on who you want to become. And match it, please, with who God wants you to become. We are all about helping you take steps from wherever you are to where God wants you to be. Who would you like to be a year from now? Let's take it out way beyond that. Who would you like to be when your family misses you greatly and you're gone? What legacy would you have liked to have left behind? How many relationships would you love to have affected because you had the systems that caused you to shine and be who you want to be. Think about that. Write down who you want to be because your identity will shape your actions. What you believe your identity is in Christ will shape what you do. That's a hard one. You'll have to spend some time on it. Who does God want me to be? Would you pray with me? Father God, we ask that you would help us to come before you to look at, really, uh, things that we already know that you've told us and taught us and to imagine ourselves truly new creations because of Jesus with new power, new desire, old patterns stopped, new patterns growing with momentum because we are new. Help us to become the new, spirit-filled, forgiven, accepted, love, loving people that you've created us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you'll come back for starting next week and stopping the week after that. And if you have anything that you'd like prayer for, we'd encourage you to take advantage of a prayer team. We'd be happy to pray for you. See you next week.